Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake Baptist Church. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. As we look at these leaders, we're going to look at uh, warnings to spiritual leaders, or to ungodly leaders. And we're talking about spiritual leaders, about religious leaders, but when we talk about leadership, it's not just uh, preachers and that type of thing, but uh, at work. Some of you are leaders at work or uh, in your home, fathers and mothers, you're to be leaders. Uh, and uh, we can be godly or we can be ungodly. And so we're going to see some warnings here to ungodly leaders, and we want to pay attention to that. So, of course, uh, our theme for the year being steadfast and uh, tenacious, <laughs> pastor likes that word, tenacious, uh, sturdy and strong and, and set in, in the faith and in our, uh, our belief. And uh, these ungodly leaders, we see that they've drifted away from where they once were. They've moved away. And uh, the Apostle Paul in Hebrews, he, he warns of that to the Christians. He says, you can, uh, you can drift away and we need to be careful of that. I, um, I want to thank you uh, for your prayers for me over the last uh, years as I've been going through the cancer treatment, especially these last months. And uh, uh, the treatment I went through in October, November, when I was gone for those couple of months, uh, was very strenuous, and it did affect my mind. And so I find myself uh, looking for words and phrases, and they're just not there anymore, Bible verses and references and so forth, and sometimes names and stuff. And some people say, well, you're just getting old, but it was just a little more than that. Some of the drugs they gave me really had a lasting effect, and just every day still, some lasting effect from some of those drugs. So I appreciate your continued prayers, but quick report, um, I should be having another scan in February, and as far as we know, the uh, treatment that they gave me is still working, and the cancer is in remission, and so... Thank you for that. Thank the Lord for that. And uh, many people have been praying for that. And so I thank you. So we look here in, in uh, Jude <coughs> chapter, <laughs> verse 11, okay? <laughs> and just before we get there, uh, just remind us a little bit what uh, Jude's been talking about. He's been talking about contending for the faith. He's been talking about those who have fallen away from their steadfastness and warning us about these certain men a creepy men, creeps creeping in, the Bible says, use that term, uh, and uh, they're fil he calls them filthy dreamers, brute beasts. And in verse 11, where we pick up uh, our text tonight, the first three words, he says, woe unto them. Now, the word woe means grief, sorrow, great sorrow, deep suffering, uh, and distress, and uh, he says this distress and grief and woe and suffering is going to come on these people. So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into the lesson here. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's here tonight, for a warm church where we can come and sing songs of praise and worship, and Lord, we can uh, fellowship and pray together and enjoy the company of other Christians and uh, get into your word. I pray that your word tonight would be guided by your Holy Spirit, that each one of us would learn something tonight that would help us in our daily walk in living for you. 
we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> let's let's uh, read through the scriptures and then we'll get into uh, uh, thought. Verse number 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Pretty descriptive of these people. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of them, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all who convince all that are ungodly. Among them, uh, of them, all of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Of course, the Lord warns us not to uh, be a respecter of persons, but these people are. But beloved, remember ye the words which are spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the spirit. Now, in reading this, we see that there's uh, these uh, lusts, their ungodly lusts, following after the lusts and so forth. And uh, these men are following after their own selfishness. And uh, that's the thing that he's warning us about, watching out for this type of a leader who is selfish and concerned with uh, their own things concerned with worldly things more than spiritual things. So let's pray. Father, give us, uh, give us uh, wisdom tonight, and may your spirit be in control in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at, if anybody not have an outline? Anybody need an outline? We have outlines here. Okay, there's some in the back here, Mike, just one there. Anybody else need one? We've got one here if you need one. Uh, the, first, the first blank there is cases... C-A-S-E-S, cases of ungodly leaders, examples of ungodly leaders. And that's where he starts here, gives us some examples. Anybody else need an outline? I think that's it. Oh, Jim, all right. Right here with Jim. <clears throat> all right. Cases or examples of ungodly leaders. In verse 11, he gives us three. Cain, Balaam, and Kor. Korah. Uh, who can tell me about Cain? Who was Cain? Well, pardon me? Cain killed his brother. And who was Cain? Adam and Eve's son, all right? And so they had a number of sons. Of course, we only know of the three. We know of Cain and Abel and Seth. And uh, we know of those three. Uh, and of course, Cain and Abel, we know the story. Uh, consider this. <clears throat> they were both raised in the same family. They were, Cain and Abel, both raised there with Adam and Eve. Uh, just a second generation, if you would, from the creation, uh, living in uh, a world that didn't know sin like we know it now and so forth. And yet, 
Cain raised up against his brother and killed him. If you know the story, you know what happened. It came time to worship God and to bring an offering unto the Lord. And Abel brought what? Something well-pleasing. Something well what was it? Somebody know? It was, a, it was a blood offering. He brought a lamb, a blood offering. And Cain, the Bible says, brought of the fruits of his labor. He, brought, he was like a farmer, and he brought the fruits of his labor. And it's a picture for us to understand, and it says here, uh, the way of Cain, the way of Cain. Uh, he was angry, he was jealous, he was affected by Abel's offering was accepted, and his offering was rejected by God. And uh, God told him, said, the sin lieth at the door. There was a little lamb right there. You could give the blood sacrifice just like Abel did, but he refused to do that because, as you look at your notes, Cain's way was self-willed. He was self-willed. It's a picture of those who are religious but lost. They're trying to work their way to heaven. They think there's something they can do to go to heaven. They think there's something they can do to please God and uh, kind of balance out or overbalance their good works uh, over their bad works and so forth. Uh, and and uh, we see these two boys raised together, and yet Cain gets angry, he gets jealous, he gets mad, and uh, his will is set against what God wants him to do. So he goes his own way. He relied on his works instead of grace. He rejected the blood redemption. And that's what's happening with people in religions today. There are a lot of religions today and religious leaders and, and uh, uh, religious philosophies that teach that uh, there's something you can do. You need to be baptized. Uh, there's one church that teaches you need to trust Christ plus you need to be baptized. You need to join their church. You need to tithe and there's some other thing. Five things that you have to do. Uh, other religions uh, say, well, you trust Christ, and then you have to keep the law, and you have to do this and that. And they're adding things to the work that Jesus Christ has done, D-O-N-E, that little book that pastor gives out to visitors, done. Uh, we sing the song, Jesus paid it what? All, all to him we owe. He took care of it. Uh, and, but Cain's way was, again, was self-willed. I'm going to do it my way. Uh, and he held up his works. And then we see the second example he gives is a man by the name of Balaam. Who can tell me who Balaam was? Raise your hand if you can tell me. Brother Mike? All right. The Israelites were coming into the land, and the king said, man, I need somebody. And there's a soothsay over there, a prophet he's called. And he's got that man, Balaam, to try to curse the people of God. Now, God's will was that the people were going to come in the land and, and take over that land. The land was going to be theirs. But this man, Balaam, a prophet, he uh, looked at the situation and he realized that these were God's people coming in and he probably knew the prophecy and stuff according to what we read there. But you remember, he's the one, he had, some, he had an animal talk to him. Remember that? Because he was going down the lane. He was going to go curse the people of God. And the donkey he was riding on stopped and bucked and ran his legs against the wall and he started beating the donkey because he could, the donkey could see the angel that was going to kill Balaam for doing his own thing. Now it says here, the way of Cain, but the error of Balaam. And when we look at Balaam, we actually see uh, these three words talked about him in the Bible. It talks about his error, his way, and his doctrine. And I uh, just want to spend a few moments on that. His error was he was self-seeking. He went by human reasoning. 
he was thinking, well, I know what God's plan is, but, you know, uh, maybe there's uh, something in this for me. And he rejected God's plan. And the Bible says for reward. He was greedy for reward. In both of these cases, Cain, Balaam, and we're going to see also in Korah, the problem, the heart of the problem was a problem with the heart. Their heart was not right. Even outwardly, they might have looked good. Outwardly, uh, he was a prophet and so forth. But inside, he had this human reasoning, this greed. And so uh, outwardly, he, he looked right. He tried to do right, seemingly. But in his heart, he was full of greed. And so he rejected God's word and God's plan for reward. Now, when it talks about his heir, the heir of Balaam, that was a, a, a carnality, a carnality. Have you ever been, how many of you here have been hunting? All right, how many of you have been hiking in the woods sometimes? All right, how many of you have been driving and got lost? All right, <laughs> did you ever drive down a road and you knew where it was going to come out and when you came out, it wasn't where you thought it was going to be? I've done that. We lived in Lakewood, Washington, which is like driving on spaghetti. All the roads, they all cross and they change names. Just across the street, it's a whole different name and stuff. And I drove around one night. I'd just been there oh, a couple of months. <clears throat> and this visitor came. And uh, so uh, I got the visitor's card. And I thought, well, I'll go and call on him. So I got in my car and I, I left the church. And I followed the address. And all the addresses there are 101st uh, Street North South and 101st West drive and you know and they're all it's really mixed up uh it's designed by the military so anyway <laughs> that's who i blame so i drove all around looking for this address and went all around and down these streets and stuff and trying to find the address of these cross streets and finally i pulled up and there's the house i pulled up there there's the address i walked up knocked on the door rang the bell and uh one of my one of the best men in my church answered the door brother jones and it was his son who was visiting from out of town who had come to uh, visit the church. And so here I was at his house. He goes, oh, pastor, come on in. I said, oh, Brother Jones, good to see you. I never put the two together. And so I went in, I visited and everything. Glad to have Tony there and so forth. And so uh, here's, the, here's the key to the story. His house is around the corner, just two houses from mine. There's my house on my street, another house on the street, and then his house right there. And I'd, it took me 20 minutes to find his house. It was just, <laughs> you ever been mixed up and lost? You've been out hunting, or maybe you're walking on a trail, and you're going along this trail, and I've been out hunting and following these little trails and so forth, and, uh, and you get out there, and all of a sudden you look around, and everything looks different or the same, you know. And you get out there, and you have to try to figure out, okay, how do I get back to the car? How do I get back to the truck? And which way did I come in and so forth? Well, what the, uh, the error of, of Balaam was he just got off the trail. He was on the right trail. He was a prophet. He was a soothsayer. He was the people recognized that he had some spirituality but he got off the trail because of his greed, because of his self-centeredness, because of, he was uh, self-seeking. And he wandered off the trail. Well, his way, when it talks about his way, uh, we see his, his, what happened is it talks about his conduct in 
2 Peter 2, it talks about the way of Balaam. He rebelled against the truth. He knew that it was God's will that the people be there in that land, but he rebelled against the truth because there was some profit in it. There was some money in it. And uh, he, so he deliberately, we would you say on this situation, he deliberately turned down the wrong trail. He didn't just wander off the trail. Now he's making a choice. I'm going to go down this trail and see where it leads. And then we see his doctrine. The doctrine has to do with his character. He rebelled against God, and it talks about that over in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, the doctrine of Balaam. Now this uh, way has become doctrine, and the doctrine of Balaam means that he was not only wandered off the trail, not only did he choose a different trail, but now he's putting up signs and saying, hey, follow me, and he's leading other people away. And so this was the doctrine of Balaam leading others off. We see that happening with all the false doctrines in the world today and these religions, uh, so-called, churches so-called, that, that claim to be a Christian churches, and yet uh, they don't believe in the work of Christ. And so Balaam did that. He became the authority and said, okay, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to do it. And he did it for greed and money. And then the other example that's given is Korah. Who can tell me who Korah was? The mic? He was one of the ones that led the rebellion against Moses. Exactly. Red, led the rebellion against Moses. And here we have a man who is self-advancing, saying, well, you know, Moses, you're taking on too much on yourself. And, uh, you know, we got some other people here who have a, a wisdom of God. And so he incited others to rebel against, uh, against uh, Moses, God's leader, God's man in authority. And uh, he rejected the rules and uh, rejected God's will and he rejected God's leadership. And we see that in these three cases. I'm reminded of a story of a, a man who was looking for a chauffeur. He wanted to get a chauffeur to drive. And so he put an ad in the paper and he had three guys show up. And so he said, well, here, he said, I'll give you a test. He says, you take the car and I'm going to watch you. I want you to come down that, that dirt road on the hillside and we'll see how close you can get to the edge. And so the first guy came and he came right close to the edge where some of the rocks and stuff were falling off. He said, man, that's pretty close. So the second guy came down in the, in the, in the car, in the limousine, he came down and he was so close to the edge that part of his tire was hanging over the edge. The guy said, man, that's close. And the third guy came down and he hugged over close to the hill, wasn't close to the cliff at all. And he's the one that got the job because the guy said, I want to be safe. Who's ever driving my car? And he don't want to take chances like that. You know what happens a lot of times with Christians is we see how close we can get to sin. Just how close. What can we do that's just close enough? And we get over by the edge. Uh, one little boy said uh, uh, to his, his mom, he said, I fell out of bed last night. She said, well, why'd you do that? He said, I guess I stayed too close to where I got in. <laughs> a lot of Christians are like that. They get, they get saved, but they never really get all the way into serving the Lord and loving the Lord and reading the Bible and, and studying the Word of God. And because they never, uh, they just always stay close to where they got in, and so pretty soon they fall out. And so that's the warning that he's giving here, these examples. Uh, sometimes you just begin to wander off the path. <laughs> And if that's the case, man, get back on the path. And sometimes we make a choice. 
a sinful choice and we choose to do something that we know is wrong and the Bible he's warning us here he says man you need to get back on the path you might not be a preacher you might not be a religious leader but you are a, a parent there are other people who are watching you or you are influencing other people around you so get back on that path be steadfast in the word of God be steadfast in your, in your Christianity be steadfast in contending for the faith once delivered and so we see this. And then, uh, uh, of course, the characteristics, number letter B, characteristics, if you're taking notes, of ungodly leaders. Verses 12 and 13. It says, these are spots in your feasts of charity. Spots on your feasts. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. The Bible says there's no fear of God before their eyes. The Bible says uh, uh, they have no fear of God. There are spots in your feast. Uh, they, they're feeding themselves. They're thinking of themselves more than thinking of others. They're first and, and what they want. They're destructive in that. He says they're disappointing. They're clouds without water, he says. You ever been in a storm where the lightning is flashing and the thunder is roaring, but it doesn't rain? And they're, they're clouds, but he says they don't even have water in them. They're just phonies. We would call it hypocritical. And uh, we see the same thing there. Uh, dissatisfying, number three. Trees without fruit. In fact, it says there's no lasting fruit. There's no real fruit. It says, in fact, they're dead. And then it says they're twice dead. Think about that, twice dead. Someone has said if you're uh, born once, you die twice. Born twice, you die once. You get it? And uh, it's a matter of uh, being born again. They, they're twice dead. They're not only dead, but they're deadly to those around them. They're dangerous. Look what it says here. Uh, they're plucked up by the roots in verse 13. Raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. I grew up in California and I'd spent a lot of time at the ocean and uh, body surfing and surfing and so forth. And when you'd go to the ocean after a storm, after a storm and all that uh, sediment has been washed down and the, the water is dirty and there's, there's mud in it, there's sticks in it and so forth. And, and as the waves come in, it just foams up and it's dirty foam. You know, some of you have seen that. And the thing about it is it's dangerous because you don't know what's in that foam. And you can go out swimming in it. In fact, if you did go out swimming in it and you were in a wave and you'd come up and that foam was there, you couldn't breathe. You couldn't breathe that foam. People have drowned from the foam, not just some of the water. It's dangerous, and so this is, he gives a comparison here. They're raging waves, foaming out their own dirt and so forth. And uh, then in uh, the same verse, it says they are, um, verse number 13, wandering stars, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Wandering stars, just uh, stars that are shooting like a comet or something. Stars are just uh, balls of gas, and these are he's comparing these men to that, just full of gas, big windbags up there, and they flash around, and they're going different directions. And if you've ever done any reading and studying, uh, you know that a sailor out at sea, they don't want to see some light that's moving around. They're looking for a solid light, a, what are they called? Lighthouse. <laughs> see how my mind works? It's not there. They're looking for a lighthouse. A lighthouse is set on a shore and it's steady there and that helps them guide their ship. But if they're looking at another ship out there and they think it's a lighthouse and it's moving too, they're in trouble. 
And these are wandering stars, and they're moving around. The Bible talks about being blown about with every wind of doctrine, and people come up with new doctrines, and you hear about it on the Internet and TV and radio and so forth. And, and he says, stay away from those things. Why? They are wandering stars. It says, preserve for the darkness, darkness forever. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 5 that, Jesus, that God is light, and him, in him is no darkness at all. God is light. And uh, these people are going to be reserved for darkness, away from God forever. Their destiny is sealed. Letter C, condemnation. We see then the condemnation of these ungodly leaders. Uh, as we come down to the last part of verse uh, uh, 13, reserved for the blackness of darkness forever. And then he talks about Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these. Behold, the, la the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Do you believe the Lord's coming back? Yes. Do you believe he's coming tonight? Yes. He could. <laughs> yeah, be all right for most of us, huh? It'd be fine. Uh, but the Bible says, in the hour you think not, the Son of Man cometh. So be ready. We need to be ready. He is coming. And it's been prophesied ever since Genesis that the Lord is coming. He's coming again. He's coming back. And uh, so there's a condemnation. Their judgment is coming. There's verse 14. Uh, the Lord comes, verse 15, to execute judgment. Their judgment is certain. Those are the, the one, two, three there. Their judgment is coming. Number two, their judgment is certain. It is sure. God is going to judge these people. He's promised to judge them. And uh, execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people who are against God or they've gone the way and the heir of Balaam or the way of Cain or uh, they're seeking their own self-gratification or trying to get up to heaven some other way, God's coming back and he is going to judge them. He's going to judge them, and he's going to judge them with a righteous judgment. Number three, their judgment is correct. and Made it all seize. Correct. They're, it's right. God's judgment is always right. Verse 16, these are murmurers and complainers. He's telling us who they are. They're ungodly people. They've, they've gone against God. They've uh, not only gone against God, they've chosen their way. They've taken other people off the trail. They're pointing other people away from Christ. And he says they're murmurers or complainers walking after their own lusts. That's the main thing, their heart. They want things for themselves. They are living in, in the material world rather than living for the Lord. Their mouth speaketh great swelling words. They're, they're prideful people, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Here they are, that uh, they're respecter of persons. But beloved... He says, remember ye the words that were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. He said, we've been warned. Christ told the apostles and they told us that these mockers are going to come. These ungodly men are going to be there. These leaders who are uh, ungodly leaders with these characteristics, they are coming and uh, he says in verse 19, these be they who separate themselves. His judgment is right because they have chosen to separate themselves. They've chosen to go their own way. And we do that. 
We look and we say, well, religious, religious leaders. No, we can do that as re- leaders in our own home. We can choose to go the wrong way. We can make wrong choices, can't we? Yep. Have you ever made wrong choices? We all have, yeah. Sometimes it's by accident. Sometimes we just make a choice and it didn't work out right. Sometimes we choose to go a direction because that's what we want to do. We know what God's word says, but we want to do it this way or we want to do it that way. Or God says, do this. And we say, no, I don't want to do that. And uh, we have sins of commission, sins that we commit, and sins of omission, things that God tells us to do that we don't do. And so we make those choices. And he says, you need to be careful about that because they separate themselves sensual. The word sensual means fleshly. Fleshly. Having, here's a key, having not the Spirit. Having not the Spirit. Romans 8 9 says, But we are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in us. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. These people aren't even saved. They've never been saved. They've never received Christ. And so they've wandered off the path, and now they've chosen to go a different direction because of filthy lucre or whatever thing. Maybe it's not just money. Sometimes it's praise, popularity, different things. We see it in Hollywood, don't we? Some people who grew up in church and grew up uh, serving the Lord, and now they've, they've made a choice, and they've gone their own way, and now they're leading others that way astray. And the Bible talks about these ungodly leaders, and they're going to be judged one day. And so we see that the, the main thing here is these people, in their heart, they're living for the things here, if I can put it in, in just kind of a nutshell, they're living for the things of the world living for the things of the world, whether it's popularity or wealth or uh, just fun things for themselves. It's all their own desires. They're trying to fulfill their desires in the world and not living for the Lord and spiritual things. Now, there's some, some help to keep us from that. We've got three verses listed. One is Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. There it is. But seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, these worldly things will be added unto you. He'll take care of that. But put him first. What does God want in my life? How, how is God leading me today? And this is a daily thing where every day we need to say, okay, Lord, what do you want in my life today? What would you have me do? Sometimes, I don't do this all the time, but oftentimes I, when I'm going from one, my house to someplace, I'll pray and say, Lord, which way do you want me to go today? Because, you know, have you ever been, do you ever feel like you've been protected from, a, from an accident? We've all been there, haven't we? Oh, if I'd been a few minutes sooner, that could have been me in that accident or something. Well, the Lord protects us, so we need to seek his will in everything we do. And so uh, following after his righteousness, the next one there is Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. If then, I've got to look up here, my eyes don't work that good. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are what? Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things where? Not on things of the earth. So what's he telling us here? He's saying, hey, there's a way to get away from this personal desire and personal lusting and so forth. What is it? Set your affections on the Lord and the things of God. Uh, Set your affections on on heaven and eternity. And then the last one, Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his what? 
riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? The Lord, okay. Who owns the hills? Who owns the gold in those hills? Can God take care of us? Sure he can. Nothing too hard for him. He's going to take care of us, but we need to make sure that our vision is toward him, that we're setting our heart on eternity. And so that's your last line there. Live and give with eternity in mind. We will keep eternity in mind and have our hearts set on the spiritual things and seeking the Lord and, and uh, his will in our lives. That will protect us from getting off the path and wandering away. Why? Because we're focused on the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your vision on the Lord. And then that way we can contend for the faith. And when people start getting away from that, we can recognize that. Though most of you know that uh, uh, the Treasury Department, uh, in looking for uh, um, fake bills, counterfeit bills, they don't go out and study all the counterfeit bills. What do they do? They study the real thing. They study the real thing, and if they find something that doesn't match up to the real thing, they know it's wrong. It's a counterfeit. It's the same thing. The Bible says that uh, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Get into the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Make it a part of your daily life. And then as false thinking comes along and false philosophies or sometimes even from inside us, some false desires come along, we'll recognize that, hey, that's not of the Lord. And we can stay on that right path. And we can be the leader that God wants us to be in the home, at work, at school, uh, just whatever it is that God wants us to be because we keep our eyes on the Lord, keep following after Him, and it makes a difference in our life. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.